Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Welcome back. We are making every effort to focus on mission. We have been called to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. And you know, instead of thinking about what we can't do, we're looking at identifying what we can do to be on mission. As I mentioned last time, we're going to start in the book of James and then head over to Exodus. We want to learn what it means to trust God. Now, over the next four weeks, we're going to learn about how God uses pivotal moments to mature us. The first decision is to live in the center of God's will for your life. I think we know that, but we call this the radical center. You'll recall those three circles representing one's the Great Commission, and there's the Great Commandment, and the third that I call the Great Connection. We want to live at the center, and that's what we're calling the ecclesia, or the called out. Now, if the first decision is to live according to the calling that God has given us, then the second decision is to trust God with our spiritual growth. That's what our conversation is about today. But I want to warn you that when God shows up, faith gets tested. And what I want to do is grab your Bibles. We're going to set the stage in James chapter 1 with just a couple of verses. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Right off the bat, I'll just tell you that whenever I face trials of many kinds, I don't naturally consider it joy, much less pure joy. Why does he say that? I know you're probably thinking, oh, you know, Dan, I, I count it pure joy when I encounter trials of many kinds. But he says it because of what it accomplishes in our life. In fact, trials accomplish something that nothing else can. I like that he said, you know. See, we're not guessing or wishing. Nope, we know. We can know. It's possible to know because we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance, and perseverance brings maturity. You know this, I know this, that the only way to mature is to be tested. And we all get tested. You see, trials are indicators that you're growing. Are you in hardship? That means you're growing. I know, I know, some of you are thinking you should be done growing about now. Life's been hard. But you just ask someone who's over the age of 60 if they still face trials of many kinds, and they'll tell you, yes. Why? Because every day is a battle for perspective. Now listen, and this is key. Movement creates friction. Friction creates resistance. And resistance is what we feel. But listen, faith that's been tested can be trusted. Let me say that again. Faith that's been tested can be trusted. Untested faith, it's immature. 
Until your faith has been tested, you will not be mature. If you wanna know if you can trust something, test it, right? That's why God tests our faith. He wants to mature the way we think, which matures everything else because thought leads to action, actions to habits, habits to character, and character to destiny. Now, right here, Scripture tells us that God tests faith, but why? Well, one reason we test things is just to determine the reliability of that thing or the process or the person. But it's because He wants us to have the joy that comes from having a matured faith. If trials mature us, then everybody should be pretty mature after this year. <laughs> am I, can I get an amen? I heard someone say recently that if 2020 had a theme verse, it's probably James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. But just for perspective, and not to minimize what you're going through, but for perspective, remember that God is at work in everybody's life. Now, I know we like the phrase, let God turn your test into a testimony. But if I can be honest, we don't like obstacles and setbacks and failures. We want progress, or at least I do, and so did God's Old Testament people, Israel. That's exactly what God's people were experiencing in the story in Exodus. Now, here's the backstory. The Hebrew nation had become slaves in Egypt, coming up on 400 years. Now, that's a long time, and at this point in the story, the people cried out to God, and he answered their prayers. God sent Moses to tell Pharaoh that he had to, say it with me, let my people go. But first, Moses meets with the leaders of Israel. It's Exodus chapter 4, verse 29. So Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. It must have been an amazing time of worship because it feels good to know that someone has taken notice of your predicament and has shown up to help, doesn't it? I remember when, when we had three hurricanes one year. I'm driving down the road. We've been out of power for a week or two, and I see electric companies from Ohio and Illinois out there repairing the lines. It brings tears to my eyes. I'm sure that Moses told them what God had told him in Exodus 3.8. God said, I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And I can imagine that the response of the leaders of Israel was, wow, we're all in. Let's do this. But then there's a part of me that wonders if in the middle of all this excitement that there's some dude that raises his hand and he asks, hey, um, has anybody mentioned any of this to Pharaoh? Asking for a friend. And here's the thing. You see, we assume that others are going to be excited about what God is doing, right? Because we're excited. God's on the move, and surely everybody's excited, but that's seldom the case. In fact, the news that God is working is such great news, but it's not great news for everybody. You see, when God moves... Some people are going to lose their position, power, or influence. And people don't give up power and position unless they're forced. So here's where we are. God sends Moses. Moses tells the leaders of Israel the plan. And then he tells Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, of course, said, no way, not a chance. Are you crazy? 
instead of being happy that they had found renewed faith in God, he was angry and he threw a Pharaoh fit. Now that's whenever you make someone's life harder and more miserable. A literal pandemic ensued and it lasted longer than they ever would have expected. If this were a movie script, if this were a movie script, you would hear music change right now, indicating that something major is about to happen that's not good. In my opinion, it would have been helpful if God would have made music in real life, just so that we would know. But just like that, things went from hopeful to completely discouraging. Pharaoh said, listen, the only reason you're saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God is because you're lazy. Now get back to work. Well, that went well. And, and then we come to Exodus chapter 5, verse 19. The Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told, you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. And when they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Don't you know Moses appreciated the constructive feedback? Don't leaders just appreciate when people have opinions? Well, Moses showed up and really messed everything up, or at least that's what they thought. And they were angry. I have a question. Did they really expect Pharaoh to be happy about this? Apparently. At the very least, they wanted Pharaoh to be okay with the new plan. But Pharaoh wasn't at all about to lose his entire workforce, right? It's no way. And life got harder and painful. And Moses, Moses didn't even understand. He was confused. And that's why he went back to the Lord a little bit later in Exodus chapter 5. In verse 22, Moses returned to the Lord and he said, why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? He didn't expect it. Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on, on this people and you have not rescued your people at all. Now, before we look at the Lord's response, have you noticed how sometimes now listen carefully, we want everything to be different and nothing to change. You ever notice that? Yes, let's be on mission for the Lord. But you see, in order for things to be different, well, things have to be different. And sometimes that means a major shift. Now in this case, there was a shift that was negative. There's a major shift from worship to discouragement. One day they felt so bold, but then the next they felt so cold. And haven't you experienced that? When they left worship, they ran into the reality and realized that not everyone would be excited. They realized that something positive for the Hebrews meant something negative for the Egyptians. And they were, in a word, discouraged. And no one could blame them, right? Moses was reeling too. If the people won't listen, he said to the Lord, why would Pharaoh listen to me? You haven't rescued your people at all. And I kind of feel his pain. You, you sent me and, and it's a mess now. Now in their answer to, their, in answer to the discouragement, the Lord reminded Moses what he would do and he tells them to let the people know about it. This is Exodus chapter six, verse six through eight. <laughs> the Lord said, 
So say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Notice it's all about what he's going to do. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. And so Moses is excited and he goes and reports this to the Israelites, verse nine, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. That phrase is perfect. Because they were discouraged, and that Hebrew phrase means a shortness of breath, a shortness of spirit, or when you're out of breath, they literally had had the wind knocked out of them. Have you experienced that? You see, when we are in discouraging moments, fear shouts to, to us, my life is so hard. And it's true. But faith believes it is hard, but the Lord will redeem us. Now, I need to plaster a warning label here. Listen closely. Do not, under any circumstances, make major life decisions while under the influence of discouragement. Be careful who you listen to when you're discouraged. And wait because you will make it through this. The reason the people were in pain is because God was working his plan. Get your mind around that. God knew his people needed to toughen up a bit. They needed to increase their endurance and their stamina. You see, he knows, he knew and he knows what every parent knows, that struggle shapes character and struggle strengthens us. So engage in the struggle. A few years back, actually, I think it was, I don't know, maybe 10 years back, my son called me at the office and he says, Dad, you just have to come home. Our butterfly is coming out of its chrysalis. Like many parents have done, we, ha we had a caterpillar and we fed it and hopefully it would become what it's supposed to become. So when I arrived home, I found this beautiful, great southern white butterfly instead of that raggedy old caterpillar. But while in the cocoon, the caterpillar had been transformed. But we weren't able to see the beauty of it until it struggled through the shell of the chrysalis. The struggle of following God on mission is real. Everyone I know that's called to lead a microchurch needs connection with others who are on the same journey. Can I get an amen? Why? Because sometimes we will be discouraged. It's just a fact. And one of the best ways to be in, in, encouraged is to be able to talk with and learn from other missionaries. And that's one of the reasons that God is calling us to create a network of micro churches because missionaries need other missionaries. Now, Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verse 7 has come to mean so much to me because in a particularly hard time of my life, it occurred to me that God loved me because of the pain and was using that to shape me. He said, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children, for what children are not disciplined by their father? 
If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. He just says, endure hardship as children because God's treating you as sons. See, pain is part of the plan. And I'm wondering, could God be using a current circumstance in your life to build your faith muscle? The people were in pain because God was working his plan. Trust the Father. James said we should consider it pure joy because God is maturing us. And one of the ways we can handle discouraging moments is to accept that God is disciplining us for greater things. The discipline isn't because we're in trouble, but to make us stronger because we are shaped in the struggle. I think you would agree that Jesus was the master at delivering hard truth and hope simultaneously. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good courage or, or take heart. I've overcome the world. You see, God's plan for you is wonderful, but it's not a plan without difficulty, pain, and hardship. What about our next steps? Well, let me ask you, what are your expectations for your life? To never be discouraged? You see, God's Old Testament people were shaped through the struggle. It's no different for us. Through the struggle, we are being shaped by God. But sometimes we're discouraged. Why? Because life is sometimes so hard. And when I'm discouraged, the question is, well, what can I do? Well, the first thing we can do is, is believe that if God leads us to it, He's going to lead us through it. It's called trusting Him. He's not trying to break you. He's trying to shape you. God never wastes a hardship. He never misses an opportunity to help His people mature. At least it's been true in my life. The fact that you're in a storm doesn't change the truth that God is good and that He is with you. You experience in those moments deep inner peace, even at these times, but it's not because you're ignoring the reality of the storm around you. It's because you're aware of God's presence. You are secure in His eternal plan. And that gives me hope. God is working out His plan. The second thing that I do is I just trust God to shape those people that I love. Let Him shape your husband or your wife, son, daughter, friend. I need to leave room for God to work in the lives of family and friends. Endure hardship works for everybody. God loves them. He loves them enough to discipline them. And he loves us as well. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your presence will, be, will, will surround your people. I pray that your peace will fill your people. And I pray, Father, that not only that we will be faithful on mission, but that our children, our grandchildren, and for many generations to come will be blessed by the faith that we are now living out. Father in heaven, I pray that you will help each one of us right where we are to acknowledge your presence and even, even more to believe that you are present. Thank you, Father, that you love us so much, each one of us, that you discipline us. We don't ask for it. We wouldn't ask for it, but you love us enough 
that you bring discipline in our life. Father, I pray that in the end, we will be stronger and you will be glorified. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all of us together say, amen. It's been great to be with you this week. I'll see you on next time. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.